We're back in Investor Channel's headquarters in San Diego, California. I'm your host, Daniel Wong. On today's program, we welcome back our weekly guest, David Drake, the chairman of LDJ Capital. David, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. Oh, every week. I'm glad to be here, Daniel. David, so it's always a pleasure, and there's a lot going on in the crypto world right now. One of those being CoinCheck. You know, they've been putting out those reports that um, now $530 million has been stolen from its users. Tell us a little about that and what that means for the community right now. You know, uh, you know, everybody's asking me, should the regulators come in and make it more stringent and better? And I'm trying to explain, it wasn't a hack right now. It was a hack three months ago. What they were doing is they took CoinCheck and they capitalized it, the crooks. And as a capitalized word, CoinCheck, the I, was a small L. So they technically brought a website with a small L, made it look like CoinCheck, People logged in and they set up a new account. That account worked on the real site. And then the guy said, great, we have their passwords. Let them raise some money, make some money, and we're going to wait. So now they sat there and waited for a couple of months, a few months, I don't know how long. And then they had all the passwords and said, okay, great. We're going to walk in and we're going to take all the NEMS, which was uh, the currency that had hacked. So it, there wasn't a breach in the company. It was... A breach from the users signing up for the service that they used the passwords to actually set them up with a real password exit and entrance to the account. Now, fortunately enough, in this situation, you know, we had Mount Gox in Japan three years ago, and that was a big disaster where $460 million were stolen. However, today, $460 million is not as big because the market is 100 times bigger, maybe 1,000 times bigger. So the market in itself, globally, didn't really get that affected by it. Of course, you know, uh, it's a huge and one of the biggest uh, frauds in history in the space. And I think what we need to learn from it, if, if the regulars are going to come in, and people are asking me from the Observer and other places, and Bloomberg, should observe, uh, regulators get involved, my argument is, look, I feel that... Regulators are too rash, making comments, they're creating FUD. And fear, uncertainty, and doubt is what the regulators have been creating over the last couple of months by saying things because they feel rather helpless. They don't understand it yet. Meanwhile, the SEC and FINRA, which, is, which are regulators, they're taking their time. They're doing it right the way it should be. They're monitoring the market and they're making decisions based on what they see could be fraud and giving guidance. And that's what they should do. They shouldn't make people fearful. They should guide them. And that's what they should be doing. So, you know, I would say, ideally, yes, we should put more pressures on the platforms to give us two things. Custody. Make sure nobody can steal our money. In this case, nobody came in to steal the money. The individuals gave the thieves their passwords when they set it up three months ago. And number two, which could be the regulators coming in, just like banks have insurance and FDIC is insuring $250,000 per account in the U.S. for a bank account. I would like to see that that is implemented in crypto and we force the plat platforms and exchanges to have insurance. As soon as we have insurance, people are going to feel a little more safer, saying, well, well, if something happens, the insurance will pay for the money I lost. And when we get to that level, 
this industry will explode. That's how I feel about it, Daniel. So, so David, though, but doesn't some of this fall back on CoinCheck? I mean, shouldn't they have people out there realizing this is going on and that there is an error with you know another site that's imitating them? Shouldn't they have people out there you know searching that type of thing for them? Well, now we know. I mean, it's a clever idea. I mean, look, you know, Ocean Thirteen had a fake, uh, you know, vault. In certain movies, you know, you create a hidden horse that looks just the same as the reality. That's what happened. Now we learn from this, and we're going to say, well, wait a minute. This phishing, which is called, where you are creating a completely same website, everything's identical, except there's something wrong with the website name. And that happens all the time, and it's concurrent and everlasting. So, yes, I think... The challenge is the, the mainstream media and mainstream people don't understand this. And they're not that sophisticated to understand how to protect themselves against it. So I think the regulators and we have to say self-regulate us ourselves and say, hey, they just got ripped off. What are you doing to be protected? You know, we're involved with a company called White Hack. And, you know, we want to hire hackers to find the holes and the misses in these situations. So I think we have to be, start thinking proactively. Can we demand that where we put our money will force themselves to regulate themselves or get consultants or making sure they don't get ripped off or getting insurance? And I think that's, that's where we are right now, the growing pains of the industry, where we as a people and the masses have to come together and say, hey, get your shit together. Make us feel comfortable. And I think media, like we're doing right now, talking about it, is part of it. Putting a little more stress. We want more from everybody. Definitely. I think that's a, a great point to make. And hopefully that will be the last time that's the largest hack we've seen, <laughs> especially for the industry here. But going along those lines of fraud, we just saw the SEC come in and halt Arise Bank, uh, the Dallas-based Arise Bank, to raise $1 billion for the Arise coin. They had raised $600 million already. that used celebrity endorsers such as Evander Holyfield. And the SEC came in and shut them down. Why and why is this such a big deal as well? Well, first of all, I've worked with, with uh, initial coin offerings to, to trying to create new currencies. And uh, there are state and blue sky laws as well as federal laws on who can use the word bank. And Arise used the word bank in their name, and I think it's being abused because we have rules and regulations and compliance to dictate who can use that word and why and how they get the rights to do so. Uh, Arise Bank, interestingly enough, uh, there's certainly an I in an arse bank. I don't know if you see that, but maybe they're playing with a word and they're trying to pull a prank on everybody. Uh, there could be, you know, a fraud here going on because this thing is going to be banked, it's decentralized, and that's to see just shut them down, gave them, a, you know, cease and desist and um, froze their account in Dallas. So, you know, you saw somebody like them raising $600 million in two months, making themselves claim to be the centralized bank, saying that they were going to buy a bank on the website that had FDIC insurance. And this is exactly why the 33 and 34 Act was created, because it was to protect us. Why? Because the Great Depression. Great Depression was created by the fraudulent means that people were selling and buying stocks in 29, 30, and 31. So the SEC set up, was set up by Roosevelt 
and Congress in 33 and 34 to say, we can't have people taking advantage of people dealing in securities. They're there to protect us. Could they be a burden? Of course, tremendous burden. But at the end of the day, they're there by mandate to make it safe for us and have recourse. And that also is one of the reasons the U.S. is one of the most powerful countries in the world. The SEC is the only equivalent entity in the world that will go outside its borders. No other country in the world go outside the borders to enforce their rules, but the SEC will. I mean, the privacy laws of Switzerland are gone because of the SEC and the U.S. suing Switzerland. So it's good and the bad, but at the end of the day, we are a superpower, and it's a financial superpower, and the SEC is there to protect us. Can they be a burden? Absolutely. Can it be too much regulation? Absolutely. But compared to the rash statements that Korea made three weeks ago, and China said we shouldn't have cryptocurrency, let's get rid of ICOs, last August 2017, those were rash decisions. It shut it down, created FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt. And that wasn't well thought through. That's more like celebrity status. Give me attention. I'm going to say something and get ratings. And I completely disagree with that. No, I think that's a very valid point you make. They are here to protect us. We obviously don't want a lot of regulation, but we have seen, as you, as you know, they will cross borders. Uh, I think uh, there was an ICO where a couple investors from the U.S. invested. SEC came in and said, now that you've taken in some U.S. investors, now you have to be governed by our, our rules there. So they are there to protect us, and I, I'm, I'm very happy that at least we, uh, we do have their protection there. Um, now, going forward, we've had this uh, another thing go on. Tether, the whole Tether issue's been going on for, for quite a while now. Um, just recently, the CFTC had a subpoenaed both uh, Bitfinex and, and Tether there. Um, this comes on the heels of people worrying about the decline of, of the Bitcoin price and the, the Tether uh, not being audited and the one-for-one one that's not actually there and potentially propping up the right. price. What, what does that mean? I know this has been you know, going on for a long time, but it's recently got some more press here because of that particular subpoena and the other things that are now developing there. Look, I'm a board advisor for Globecoin. Globecoin is a Swiss-based Tether competitor that's launching right now. The critique for six months, and this is not new, has been that there's no transparency or governance. Nobody can see behind the, the, the curtains of what Tether is backing up. And the argument has been that they're leveraging or uh, using Tether in margins and tripling the amount of Tether they have. My advice is the lack of transparency is against what crop, cryptocurrency and crowdfunding is about. The idea was about this to be community of sharing information and being open and tether has not been that and the argument also has been that they've been in bed with bitfinex and potentially you know increasing the numbers of bitfinex trades and number uh, uh, from hong kong uh what do i know for a certain thing look we need something safe i mean imagine if you are a retailer and you're taking bitcoin for payment and then by the time you got the payment, an hour later, Bitcoin crashes 30%, which is not uncommon. And you're like, well, I just lost my margin. So you got Tether there to do market to market, dollar to dollar, to make sure that you can keep your dollars you know, steady against all the fluctuations of crypto. However, on the back end, they've been critiqued that, that you know, they're taking advantage and using these Tethers for trades internally to increase the volume that didn't really exist. So you know what? The easiest thing is, okay, you're not transparent. Don't buy Tether. 
just don't buy it. If you have it, get out. I mean, it's normally a dollar to a dollar, dollar one cent to a dollar. So it's not fluctuating very much, which was the purpose. So you don't feel comfortable with it, just get out. I mean, that's a great point to make. You know, a lot of people were concerned about, you know, if I if I trade in Bitrix or, or, or Binance, these other coins, and I do transfer something into, you know, Tether, whatever it may be. Yeah, you're, you're simply saying get out or just transfer it into a different coin, right? Is that basically the, the, the suggestion there? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, Tether doesn't go up and down. I mean, it stays around $1, so there's not much volatility there, so... Perfect. Well, I think that will help uh, people who had some fears uh, around that. Now, um, what about this uh, Facebook? Facebook and regulators uh, just moved to halt all the advertising for any ICOs in cryptocurrencies there. And we saw them do this um, you know, back in the day uh, for the affiliate marketing here. What does this mean now that, that Facebook has drawn a line in the sand here? Look, there's a lot of marketing firms who made a lot of money using Facebook, and it has a tremendous efficiency. It's the biggest marketplace in the world, besides Google. Uh, banning it, is just like you said, was correct, Daniel, you know, the affiliate marketing industry lost their capacity of advertising on uh, Facebook about a few years back. Now we're seeing it in crypto. It's going to hamper the growth and the explosion and volatility of it, for sure. Now all the markets going to have to find another way to market. Uh, of course, Telegram is still one of the biggest platforms in the world, and they're going ICO right now. Uh, yet again, you know, Facebook is a tremendous force, and by banning these ads, it's going to cripple the marketing for sure. And they're going to find different venues, but that will also remove the sensationalism and the uh, you know excessive growth of these scam companies, such as potentially you know companies like these banks coming out with crypto. Um, it's, a, it's an answer to, you know, fake news as well, right? So, yes, it's going to give a hamper. It's going to, you know, slow down the marketing and the growth of new currencies. Existing currencies will still be doing well because the traders and buyers are ordering exchanges. They don't need Facebook to get involved in that. The Facebook was more for the new currencies coming up and getting attention for people in the mass market to see them. But uh, it's not the first time. And it, it's a wise decision, Right. It's not clear if it's a security, if it's breaking the law. A lot of advertisers abroad are targeting the whole world, including the U.S., and they're breaking security laws. They don't even know they're breaking the laws. And the worst thing is they're breaking the feasibility of their business to exist because that's the seeking come in and shut them down or sue them because they took money from their U.S. citizen without being compliant to U.S. laws. So it's just pure, even more stupidity for them to do so. So by Facebook making the decision to stop it, it reduces the fraud of American citizens. And yes, it happens to industry, and eventually we'll find a balance and maybe we'll open up the doors again with SEC telling us, this is how we should be doing it. And if we're doing it this way, it's okay for Facebook to sell ads. That was basically my, my question was, yeah, do you think Facebook will bring it back? But as you mentioned, you think they will once the government regulators uh, are going to define that a little bit more. And I guess the last thing we want to, Facebook wants right now is any negative press around what they're actually putting out there content-wise. But, um, David, it looks like we're about out of time for today. We'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show again. You're always very insightful and provide a lot of uh, you know good background information for us. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Daniel. And maybe we'll see you in Dubai next week. 
Yes, sir. Well, folks, that was David Drake, the chairman of LDJ Capital. If you want to catch more of his articles on LinkedIn, go to uh, David Drake and, and search LDJ Capital. You'll see all his posts and articles there. Folks, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're not going to want to catch the next interviews. Subscribe to our, uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll see you next time. Stay tuned for the next interviews here on InvestorTownHall.com. 